0: Hello and welcome to Season 3 of There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I am your host TK, and in this episode, a little bit about the character arcs of the MCU's most unusual couple, Wanda Maximoff and Vision. We have less than one week to go until the premiere of WandaVision on Disney Plus will usher in the next phase of the MCU, one which we've all been eagerly awaiting since the dearth of content in 2020. It certainly seems like 2021 is going to be a huge year for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and if you want to hear my take on all of the upcoming projects announced on Disney Investor Day last month, definitely check out episode 34 of the podcast MCU Need to Know, in which I discuss them with one of the hosts of that show, Trey. And also just check out that show in general, because it's fantastic. Like many MCU fans and podcasters, each week I am going to be watching the latest episode of WandaVision and recording my take for the podcast. My show won't be offering a scene-by-scene breakdown or a review, per se. There are many other great MCU podcasts that will be taking those approaches. Rather, I'm going to give WandaVision the there-was-an-idea treatment and focus on somewhat academic concepts. I'm thinking character analysis and my old favorite, Identity, will definitely be key. And I'll continue to bring in the perspectives of different guests. If you're a listener of the podcast who plans to watch WandaVision each week, and might be interested in having your voice heard on the show, please feel free to reach out to me at anidea_podcast underscore podcast on Instagram or Twitter. Before digging into the premiere next week, I wanted to take some time to reflect on the journeys of Wanda and Vision in the MCU so far. And as I was putting together my thoughts on their character arcs, Marvel Studios Legends dropped its first two episodes on Disney+, one for each of these heroes. So I'm going to reference those episodes as I trace the character development of Wanda and Vision up to this point both separately and in relationship to one another. So let's start with Wanda Maximoff, also known as the Scarlet Witch, though, interestingly, she's never actually called this in the MCU. At least not yet. When I began this podcast in season one with episodes on my favorite solo hero movies, I had a central unifying idea in mind that I set out to explore in each discussion. When the way the world sees us conflicts with the way we see ourselves, it's the choices we make that determine who we really are, what our true identity is. And I think Wanda's story in the MCU is a perfect example of this. Hers is a story of loss, of her parents and home at a young age, of her brother Pietro and Vision on screen in the MCU, a story of guilt, related to working for Strucker and Ultron, and to the events that take place in the Avengers fight in Lagos, a story of choices and of sacrifice, and of growing into an understanding of who she is and what her role is. And I believe we're going to continue to see that journey of growth and those themes in WandaVision. We got our first glimpse of Wanda in the MCU during the post credit scene of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. We then saw her in Avengers Age of Ultron, Captain America Civil War, Infinity War, and finally Endgame. In Age of Ultron, we first learn about Wanda in partnership with her brother Pietro. We learn that they harbored resentment toward Tony Stark in the Avengers, after Stark Industries' bombs destroyed their home in Sokovia as children, and that they volunteered for HYDRA's experiments, resulting in superpowered abilities. The twins lose one manipulative leader to another when Ultron kills Wolfgang von Strucker. Ultron tells Wanda who she is and what her purpose is. That is, to tear the Avengers apart. And so we first see her in action as an antagonist. Wanda and Pietro turn against Ultron when they realize what he's really up to. You could really sense Wanda's feelings of betrayal when she says to Ultron, you said make a better world. This also speaks to some of the naivety that Wanda has when we first get to know her. Interestingly, something that Ultron accuses Vision of having later in the movie. And remember that she is meant to be just a teenager at this time. A turning point for Wanda occurs later in Age of Ultron, in her conversation with Clint. The battle is raging, and she's scared and blaming herself, and Clint tells her, if you go out there, you fight, and you fight to kill. Stay in here, you're good, I'll send your brother to come find you. But if you step out that door, you are an Avenger. So again, someone else is offering her a way of defining her identity. It's not yet coming from herself. However, she is being presented with a choice, and she makes the choice to step out of the door. And we see at the end of the film that she has joined the team of new Avengers, who will be trained by Steve and Natasha. In Captain America Civil War, we see Wanda without her brother in tow. And of course, she's dealing with the trauma of his death, even as she has seemed to find a new place fighting alongside the Avengers. Civil War is all about the consequence of the Avengers' actions, and once again, Wanda is blaming herself for death and destruction caused in part by her actions, however unintentional they were. In one of my favorite conversations in the entire MCU, Steve sits down with her, both sharing in her guilt and modeling for her how to move forward, when he says, this job, we try to save as many people as we can. Sometimes that doesn't mean everybody. If we can't find a way to live with that, Next time, maybe nobody gets saved. And I believe that this really speaks to Wanda, as evidenced by her actions later in the film. When the Sokovia Accords are first presented, Wanda takes Vision, who is Team Stark, up on his offer of protection at the Avengers compound. We see the beginnings of a bond forming between Wanda and Vision, and she confides in him, I used to think of myself one way, but after this, motioning to her powers, I am something else. I'm still me, I think, but that's not what everyone else sees. He relates to her by talking about his own relationship to the Mind Stone in his head. But Wanda doesn't want to be babysat by Vision or Team Stark and once again makes a clear choice to step out of the door with the guidance of Clint and she leaves the compound against Vision's wishes to go and fight on Cap's side in the iconic airport battle. She tells Vision as she overpowers him, I can't control their fear, only my own. She knows she can't control the way that others see her as much as Vision had told her that that's what he wanted to help her do. Fear and control being themes that connect back to Age of Ultron, and will continue to come up a lot for both Wanda and Vision in the MCU. Wanda and Vision do share a sweet I'm sorry, me too, moment after the airport fight, so it's not hugely surprising that when we first see these characters in Infinity War, they're together in a romantic relationship. More on that later. Despite objecting to the idea earlier in the film, Wanda makes the selfless choice at the end of Infinity War to destroy the Mind Stone, killing Vision along with it, and then is forced to watch as Thanos uses the time stone to retrieve the mind stone and kill Vision. So essentially she has to watch the person she loves die in front of her twice. Then in Avengers Endgame, Wanda participates in the epic battle scene, saying to Thanos, "You took everything from me." And when he says he doesn't even know who she is, she replies, "You will." I really love what The Legends episode did in its recap of this moment by the way, cutting from this scene of her and fighting Thanos to black and white flashes of her brother and Vision and their deaths. For the third time, we also get a conversation, this time in Endgame, between Wanda and Clint. And this time she's the one offering some insight and support to him when she says she knows they both do, in reference to his wish of being able to let Natasha know that the Avengers were successful against Thanos. I think we can see here some definite growth and maturity on the part of Wanda. Okay, so now on to Vision. A character whose identity story is all about seeking to understand himself. A character whose position as an outsider both isolates him and provides him with a unique insight into the dealings of the Avengers and human beings in general. Vision is incredibly logical and wise when it comes to that which is outside of himself, but how does he see himself? In his very first scene in Age of Ultron, Vision flies to the window and looks out, the camera first showing the sharp lines of the city outside, his own visage blurry and unclear until slowly his reflection is brought into focus. A nice visual representation of what his journey is going to entail. Vision is literally named after the way others viewed him. Both Thor and Ultron say, I've had a vision. Interestingly, this is the same movie in which each of the Avengers have frightening visions of potential futures when Wanda gets inside their heads. Like the Marvel Legends episode shows, Vision's journey can be traced back to Jarvis. Despite being introduced to this character as an AI, we did get glimpses of his unique humor and the importance of his relationship to Tony Stark. These aspects of Jarvis humanized him, and so when he is killed by Ultron, I don't think I'm alone in saying that I was genuinely sad about it. But when we first meet Vision, it's significant that he says, I'm not Ultron. I'm not Jarvis. I am. I am. He may not understand what he is, but he continues to articulate what he is not. He says, maybe I am a monster. I don't think I'd know if I were one. I'm not what you are. And not what you intended. But we do immediately see that he does know some things. He knows that Ultron needs to be destroyed and that he's a team player. Oh, and we also find out that he's worthy, which is no big deal or anything, when we see that he can lift Thor's hammer. I always wanted them to explore a little bit about what this meant, and maybe we'll still get to see some of that. Later in Age of Ultron, Vision's exchange with Ultron is one of my favorite scenes in the entire MCU. He says, Humans are odd. They think order and chaos are somehow opposites and try to control what won't be. But there is grace in their failings. I think you miss that. Ultron says, they're doomed. And Vision replies, yes, but a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. It's a privilege to be among them. To which Ultron says, you're unbearably naive. And Vision gets a humorous moment when he says, well, I was born yesterday. The way that they use this line in the voiceover in the Marvel Legends episode is very powerful. So just like I said with the Wanda one, I think it's worthwhile to check out these Legends episodes. So We next see Vision's character in Captain America Civil War, when he endearingly phases through the wall to speak to Steve and Wanda as opposed to using the door. We gain more insight into Vision's developing understanding of his own humanity. In this movie, he begins to wear clothes, he tries to cook, though he's never eaten anything before, and he makes a great self-aware joke about his amygdala being synthetic. Vision's approach to the Sokovia Accord speak to his logical, mathematical intelligence. He says that the Avengers' presence invites challenge, challenge incites conflict, And conflict breeds catastrophe, and this lands him on Team Stark. Earlier, I referenced the scene in which he and Wanda first begin to relate to one another. After she shares her conflict about how others see her, Vision says about the Mind Stone in his head, You know I don't know what this is. I know it's not of this world. Its true nature is a mystery, and yet it is part of me. When she asks if he's afraid of it, he replies, I wish to understand it. The more I do, the less it controls me. One day, I may even control it. And so again, we're seeing the the themes of fear and control coming into play for both Wanda and Vision. Then, when we first see Vision in Avengers Infinity War, he looks unlike what we've seen him before. Completely human, a visual signal to viewers perhaps that he has come a long way in understanding and or embracing that aspect of himself. However, the stone in his head cannot be ignored, it speaks to him and it warns him. After learning about Thanos' goal of acquiring all of the infinity stones, Vision says we have to destroy it. I've been giving a good deal of thought to this entity in my head. About its nature. He knows that Wanda has the power necessary to destroy the stone and seems willing to sacrifice himself to the cause. Later, Banner points out that Vision is made up of Jarvis, Ultron, Tony. If we take out the stone, there's a whole lot of vision left, perhaps the best parts. But of course, because Infinity War is the pain fest that it is, they run out of time and Wanda and Vision are forced to make the sacrifice anyway. Vision tells Wanda, You could never hurt me, and echoes the words she said to him earlier in the movie when she touched the stone. I just feel you." And that brings us to the final aspect of these characters that I want to reflect on before WandaVision premieres, who they are in relationship to each other. While we didn't see all of their romance develop on screen, little moments like the Paprikash scene and the I'm sorry, Me Too in Civil War do lay the groundwork for their relationship. I really like the scene that I refer to as the It Works moment in Infinity War, when Vision, looking fully human, and Wanda also dressed in such a way that emphasizes the just-a-regular-person part of her, reference their two years of stolen moments, suggesting that their loyalty to each other is deeper than the allegiances to their respective sides of the Civil War conflict. Of course, their love for each other is also selfless, as evidenced by their sacrifices at the end of Infinity War. Wanda's and Vision's individual journeys in the MCU show what they have in common, they both have moments of confusion, of lack of understanding. They're both figuring out who they are and what their roles are in the Avengers and in general. They both change and grow and learn, and they're both incredibly powerful and selfless. It makes sense that they were drawn to each other and that learning about each other, relating to one another, helped each of them understand more about their own individual identities. But the sacrifice at the end of Infinity War does not neatly tie up Wanda's nor Vision story, because we know there's more to come. If Wanda had stayed dusted, perhaps that would have been the tragic but clean ending to their stories, both individual and shared. But Wanda came back with a vengeance in Endgame, now forced to live with even more traumatic memories of loss, and I think we're going to see how she deals with that in ways that are probably not very healthy in WandaVision. Going through this process of revisiting the journeys of both Wanda and Vision has made me even more excited than I already was for what's to come in the show. If you'd like to hear my take on the two-episode premiere of WandaVision, be sure to check out January 21st's episode of the podcast, which I'm thrilled to share will feature Trey and Jude of MCU Need to Know. In the meantime, next Sunday I'll be releasing part two of There Was an Idea's Endgame discussion, and we're going to win, whatever it takes. Starting January 21st, new episodes of the podcast will drop consistently on Thursdays as opposed to Sundays, and I hope you'll enjoy reflecting on the previous week's episode of Von- of WandaVision with me prior to new episodes dropping on Fridays. As always, you can find me at anidea_podcast underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening.